Hello and welcome to the Interior Design Business, the monthly podcast produced by the Interior Design Community for the Interior Design Community. My name is Jeff Hayward and I'm joined by my co-presenter Susie Rumbold, Creative Director of Tasuta Interiors, to explore how interior designers can work with professional photographers. So, you have spent a fortune on your website and have a clutch of completed photogenic projects ready to be showcased. As a designer, you know the quality photographs will make your interiors sing and induce those high-spending clients to pick up the phone. But how do you go about finding that special photographer who will be capable of conveying and amplifying your unique style? And once found, how should you work with them to ensure you ratchet the maximum value from each photo shoot? And how important is the quality of communication between designer and photographer in ensuring a breathtaking outcome? Welcome to the Interior Design Business. We're delighted to be joined by James Bolston, an expert photographer of interior design projects of many years standing. James, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. Now, do you want to just say a few words about yourself and your work? Well, photography is my second career. I originally trained and worked for many years as an interior designer. So um, after many years of doing that and, and, and struggling with all those issues that all your interior designers struggle with, I decided that actually I needed a slight change of change of tack. And um, photography was something that had always been I'd been passionate about and decided that actually that was probably better suited to me. So uh, off I went and um, started by shooting the, the jobs that I was doing in, in the office I worked for at the time. And uh, it just sort of went from there really. It just expanded, started shooting for friends who were interior designers. And uh, then, you know, after a few years of doing both side by side, I sort of got rid of the day job and concentrated on the photography. and. Uh, have been very happy since. Um, so basically I can leave all the all the, the stressful sort of building site stuff to you designers and I can come in when it's all beautiful at the end and, and record it for you. Hopefully. <laughs> Wonderful, fantastic. Um, and how long ago did you make that change? How long have you actually been focusing wholly on photography? Wholly on photography for about 15 years now. Um, there was about a five year period from 2000 to 2005, six, where I was doing both. Um, but yeah, it's been about 15 years now. And is it just you in the business or do you have someone that's assisting you with that? It, it's basically just me. I, I do use assistants on, on shoots, but they're, they're all freelance assistants. Um, they tend to be up and coming photographers who sort of want a bit of experience, um, which is something I did a little bit of myself at the start. So why do you think it's so important that um, for designers to use a professional photographer? Like with any other profession, if you wanted anything else done, be it sort of anything from a medical procedure to um, learning to drive, you, you know, it, it's always good to have someone who has experience um, training or, or experience um, and, uh, you know, is, is recognised in the industry to do that work. Um, I mean, you certainly wouldn't um, go to your neighbour and ask them to perform an operation on you. I, I'm not equating photography with, um, brain with surgery. surgery, but uh, <laughs> you get my meaning. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and just explain to us, how do interior design images differ from other interior images, for example, um, estate agent images? Um, well, I think the obvious 
um, difference there is, um, you know, you, you so often you, you browse a, an estate agent window or a magazine or whatever, and they, they tend to sort of, they have a habit of um, using very wide angle lenses to cram as much in as possible. And, and it, it may show you this um, sort of huge space, which might in reality turn out to be uh, much less huge. Um, but uh, it's, it's, they tend to be a little bit soulless. They, they may be overlit or they just don't have any sort of any warmth or sort of feeling that you're almost in the space, which as a professional photographer, you try and sort of give the idea that you're actually there in the space and that the, the, the viewer sort of feels a part of, of the image. And, and the atmosphere, I suppose, as well. Exactly. So how should interior designers go about finding a, a good photographer? Um, well, I mean, that has changed hugely over the last, since I've been doing it. Um, I mean, initially I used to lug around a sort of big portfolio and sort of, you know, sort of ring, email, whatever, get in touch with people and say, can I come and show you my portfolio? And um, those days have gone. I mean, it, it's now, I have to say, um, Instagram and social media play a, play a huge role in um, how I get my work. Um, obviously, word of mouth be that online or or peer-to-peer -peer, um that is the the biggest the biggest sort of uh way of getting new work i would say and, and what should designers look for when they're finding the right photographer for them what do you think stands out well i guess you you just you need to sort of check out people's sort of you know their their working history and and to see see how you know how you feel about those images you know what's the sort of, what jumps out? What's the, the style of the image? Um, are they sort of, you know, very sort of brightly lit? Are they sort of quite sort of moody and shadowy? You know, you, you may just sort of, there may be some aspect of, of a photographer's work that just clicks with you. Does it help James that you were an interior designer, do you think, as well as being a photographer? I, I think it probably does. People tell me that it does and, um, I think just having an understanding of space, um, whatever your role in the interiors business is, whether obviously if you're designing space, you need to sort of understand space. I think if you're photographing it too, I think I think some understanding of the way space spaces relate. Um, so you know, it's not always just about maybe shooting sort of you know a, a room full on from wide from one corner. It may be just getting a glimpse of it through a doorway or whatever. Um, you know, there are lots of different ways to shoot a room to make it perhaps more interesting. Um, I think I also made a conscious decision early on in my career to, to, to join um, a, a trade organisation, um, the BIID, um, in order to, you know, be amongst designers. And, um, and that has been a, a sort of huge, huge sort of networking possibility and, and has given me loads of loads of clients and uh, has been very useful tell me how how do most photographers charge um usually it's a, a day rate um and in the old days you'd you'd be able to add sort of film and processing costs on top um and of course we we don't have that anymore and i think you know the, the day rate might sometimes sound high to people but then don't forget you're actually paying for more than the day because you, you've got the day on, on site shooting the project. And then there's usually another day 
at work at home um, editing and um, working on post-production. So um, yeah, it's uh, it, 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 my, my fee, for example, will, will cover all of that um, post-production. And, and realistically, how much should they expect to pay for a day's shoot plus all the follow-up post-production? I mean, it, it does vary a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I've been told I'm somewhere in the middle, but I mean, I think, it, you, you know, you, you can be talking from hundreds of pounds to the low thousands of pounds a day, depending on, on who you are. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's quite a, probably like any other industry, you know, it's, um, there's no sort of fixed rate for that. And there's, there's a sort of general sort of market levels that I think you sort of, you work out that you're, you're somewhere in, in that ballpark. Should designers expect to pay extra to own the copyright of what you take? Copyright issues are, are one of the sort of biggest issues and often mis most misunderstood issues um, with regard to photography. Unless a photographer signs anything to the contrary, the photographer remains the creator and owner of that copyright. What I tell clients is that basically I, I retain that copyright, but I am licensing you to use the images in the same way that uh, an artist might um, run off prints of an, an original work of art he makes and, and you have rights to that print. It doesn't mean to say you have rights to the original piece of art. Would you ever, would you ever then license it to someone else? I'm just wondering how that, how that then equates if, if a designer has a client who is allowing them to photograph something in a limited way or for very limited purposes, you have the copyright and then you allow someone else to use the image. How does that square with the with the designer's responsibility to their clients? So that that obviously must be cleared um, between designer and their client to start with. Um, who, who who can have access to the images? I mean, usually, I think if, if clients are happy enough for you to to shoot um, their home, they're usually understanding enough to to accept that, that perhaps the the building contractor and and other interested parties might want a share of that. But what I meant was, what if you then, if they wanted to keep it private, you then licensed that, that image to someone else as the copyright holder of that image? I, I would always discuss this with, with that client beforehand as well. And, um, you know, obviously there are different, different people feel differently about, you know, what the, the, the privacy issue on, on those images. In reality, the, um, the, the, the primary person I'm shooting them for is obviously the interior designer. And they may say to me, and I, I will lay out certain terms and conditions with them at the start, and they may say to me that other interested parties that were involved in the job might want their own set of images um, relating to, the, to that job. And sometimes we negotiate something up front where, whereby everyone's paying in to, to get their own individual license. Sometimes the interior designer will refer those people on to me afterwards. But I would never, unless I've got express permission, I would never go out and try and sell them. I, I, I mean, the only, the only reason one would want to really um, go and, and, and sell images to a third party would be for magazine news. How often, James, do you get commissioned by journalists or by magazines directly to shoot on behalf of the magazine rather than on behalf of the designer? Quite regularly. I mean, it, it, with magazines, it sort of works a couple of different ways. I, I shoot quite a lot speculatively. One house seems to lead to another. Um, I, I'll find a house somewhere in the country and, and, and get to shoot that and pitch it to a magazine, sometimes in, with a writer in tow as well, uh, as, a, as a whole package. 
Um, sometimes uh, the magazine, if it's a magazine I, I'm working with a lot, they will say, look, we've got something that we'd like you to shoot. Um, so it, 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 it happens both ways, really. Uh, how, how important is it for the designer's style to match that of the photographer? I wouldn't get too hung up on it, to be honest. I think in the same way a designer can may have a, a particular style, but they may be able to turn their hands to anything. I think, you know, if, if, if the photographer is asked to do something in a particular way, then then he can probably probably do that too. So I think I think while people do have different styles and you may feel more akin to you know, a particular photographer, it's it's not necessarily the case that, you know, someone can't be flexible and adapt to, to suit your style. But also, I wonder if, if actually sometimes a fresh pair of eyes on something would bring out a, a beauty or, a, or an aspect of a, of a creation that had not been seen before. Absolutely. And I, I'm sure we might come on to more of this later. But I, I think, um, you know, very often, uh, you know, a, a client will have a very sort of particular way of seeing things and 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 perhaps be quite prescriptive about how they want it shot and then they'll see the way the photographer's seeing it and be quite surprised sometimes pleasantly surprised that oh you know I, I've not seen it like that at all um, and uh, I mean that's one of the things that a photographer can bring to you and it is as you say it, it's 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 coming in fresh uh, to a scheme that you've never seen before necessarily or you may have seen pictures of it and just being looking at it objectively, um, with with the sort of experience that you have as a photographer. Um, do you have any advice for designers on how to persuade their clients to let you in in the first place? As far as I'm aware, I, a lot of clients that I speak to, a lot of interior designers that I speak to, um, have it drawn up in their contract these days that that that, that is something that they sh as part of their their works for the client that they can photograph it at the end. Um, it, I mean, it seems to me that actually doing a job and being unable to photograph it is, it, I don't know if it makes the job not worth doing, but it, 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 if you can't, if you can't sort of, um, you know, promote your, your work, um, then, then what is the point? Conversely, there are some designers that, you know, kind of relish the fact that they have all these supposedly invisible clients. And I must admit, I look at some of these websites where, you know, you get kind of lists of jobs or they'll they'll hint at things without actually being able to you know private they'll put across their whatever the gallery is on the website and you sort of wonder actually does that does that project actually exist sometimes I mean anyone could set up a bunch of galleries on a website and put private 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 and therefore everyone will assume they're doing you know gazillion pound houses in central prime super London um, and perhaps they are and perhaps they're not but I, I think I think interior designers really need to first of all kind of say to their clients okay, if, if you're not happy for it to be published, and I understand that people don't necessarily want them in a magazine because that can be a bit unfortunate sometimes, depending on the magazine, um, you can always sort of say to them, well, actually, can we just have them for our own private use, you know, internally in the company? So, you know, there's always a negotiation to be had there. And then I think, yes, it, you should always, designers should always have it in their, in their um, contracts that photography will be allowed. That's, that's something we definitely recommend. Absolutely. And... Uh, don't make the mistake that um, one client of mine who shall remain nameless made once upon a time sent me to to shoot a job very last minute and uh, I was in this multi-million pound house and um, suddenly this gentleman appears and he looks somewhat bemused and uh, makes some quick phone calls and says um, 
would you mind leaving my property now, please? I did not give permission for this house to be photographed. So, uh, yeah, that's a cautionary tale. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. But then, of course, you, the, the, the danger would be even if, you, even if the designer had got away with it and actually you'd done the shoot and given, given him or her back the photographs, the second they come out anywhere and someone spots them, well, I, I, I assume they, they better to get caught then actually than to get caught later. I would have thought. True. I mean, I, I assume in that particular case that they were only for their private use, but um, yeah, <laughs> have to be careful. So, should designers bring external props in to their shoots, or do you think that would risk offending the clients? And if so, how do they get? How do you get around it? Well, I'll tell you how designers get around it. I don't think they, I don't think clients are usually offended, and most of my interior design clients will always bring in props, um, just because you know someone's private home isn't, you know, whatever you've done to it isn't necessarily softened up in the way that it needs to be, particularly if it's being shot for a magazine. Um, it, you know, it just needs that little bit extra that perhaps are, are things that the, the, the client wouldn't necessarily have themselves but um it's uh it's also a way for the interior designers to to, to bring in extra accessories and things and then promote them to their client with the possibility that look are you interested in in having any of these things that are, do, you know don't they look fabulous in the photographs don't they make the space look great you know, we've, we've certainly found that to be true in the past. We've sold loads of stuff off the back of photo shoots by doing just that, you know, because you've tried to, you've sort of said to the client earlier on in the process, wouldn't it be fabulous if we got a cashmere throw for the end of the sofa? And they're going, no, 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 don't need a cashmere throw. And then you, you put one in for the photo shoot. They're going, oh my God, that looks gorgeous. I have to have it. I cannot live without that. Exactly. <laughs> just wonderful. Mm. Okay. So the day of the shoot, James, uh, how should a designer go about briefing the photographer? I suppose a designer has to ask why, you know, what is their purpose for getting this project shot? What, what is it that's most important about the project? Is it something um, where they have just sort of made an impact overall that they want the whole sort of look and feel of the, of the home or property to be, to be recorded? Or is it just details? Um, I do lots of shoots for people who are specifically involved in, in joinery or lighting or you know, different aspects, but not necessarily the whole scheme. So, you know, sometimes it is just focusing in on, on those little details. Um, so obviously the photographer just needs to be made aware what, you know, what aspects are required. To be honest, most interior designers do want a little bit of everything. So it's, it's you know, making sure you, you're sort of telling a story when you're when you're doing a shoot. So it's getting everything from the establishing shot of a room, um, the sort of wider shot that tells you, gives you the whole picture, um, to the mid shots, which take you know a sort of particular sort of side of a room or um, particular details and and give them more space to, to 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 see the detail, and then zooming in on on really small details, which which maybe those sort of styling details that are, you know look good in a magazine or you know look good on a website or instagram or they may just be really boring to to the average person sort of boring little details like hinges or um the way the, the way some sort of um uh, ironmongery fits into a bit of joinery and you know all those little 
little bits that um, perhaps aren't of greater interest to, to the general public, but you know, to you, they're, they're crucial for you to explain to your, um, your client how, how you can put things together. Um, I mean, so often um, clients say to me, oh yes, take that shot because you know, then we'll be able to explain how, how that works. And you know, um, partic particularly with joinery and that sort of thing, or, or the, the sort of way that perhaps one material, um, one finish reacts and adjoins another finish. You well, know. I, think, I think that's, that's the key, isn't it? What designers are trying to do is they're trying to demonstrate their uh, attention to detail that elevates that scheme above the norm. Exactly, exactly. And just showing sort of ways of doing things that, you know, people wouldn't have considered or may not have seen before. Do you work on a shot list collaboratively with the designer? Do you get to visit a property before you go and shoot it? What, how does it, that work? It varies a lot. Um, I'm often asked um, to, to, to visit a site beforehand, which um, I don't often do. There's not usually enough time to go and pre-visit, but as long as I can get um, some some snaps and some floor plans, that was, that is always really helpful. I mean, if it's something really huge, I might I might be able to go and see it beforehand, but it's 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 not often the case. And very often, I will be presented with a, sh a shot list, um, and there's obviously leeway within that. They they you want to be able to cover most of it but you know they, they obviously expect you to sort of come up with your own additional shots that um or, or some way of sort of you know making that very sort of bland shot list sort of come to life basically so um it's it varies from client to client i mean you know sometimes i'm, I'm left completely um to my own devices and uh, just sort of um, come up with you know what I feel are the, are the, the best shots for the room. I think that the trouble with it, I think designers should really try and pull together a shot list of some sort, only because it gives you an idea of what their priorities might be, you know, which are the most important rooms, which are the most important areas that they want to draw attention to. But also the other the other issue is that things things can get missed. Um, and, and there's nothing worse if, you know, the photographer kind of goes off and does his own thing and then you kind of get the photos back and you go, you know, and you don't really want to pay another day's worth of time. And it just it's so I think it's I think it really is just a good management tool. Most definitely. And it, that has happened to me where, you know, people said, well, have you got a shot of X, Y and Z? And I said, well, no, um, you know, it, I've, I've shot the things that I thought were key. Um, and, you know, if, if you if, if you really um, have sort of specific um, needs and requirements are either do a list or be there so that you can say look we definitely need a shot of that um, it's no good afterwards sort of saying oh why haven't we got a shot of that yeah no absolutely um so what what should designers do to prepare the site in advance of the arrival of the photographer it's always a good question to ask the homeowner what day the cleaner comes and to try and organize the shoot around that yes you you, you probably don't want to shoot on a Monday if you've had a sort of family weekend and the cleaner last came on Thursday. Um, it's just practical things like that are obviously important. Um, I always say to designers, if at all possible, if they could get in and style the house the day before, so much the better. Because with the best will in the world, styling on the day, um, th that's when certain things can slip through the net because 
they're busy doing their bit, I'm busy shooting my bit, that's when things can get missed. So if it's all ready and they can be there with you during the day, um, then things are less likely to get missed. So get, get as much done beforehand as, po if, uh, as possible. I know that's not always possible. Sometimes the, the, the homeowner will only allow you in the day that, of the shoot. That's understandable. Um, when that happens, then it's a case of sort of, you know, allowing the, the, the designer to sort of be a room ahead and sort of following them around the house in the prescribed order. What else do they need to do? Yeah, I mean, ensuring that everything is spick and span, obviously. And, uh, you know, I have had situations where I've had to sort of do the odd bit of cleaning and, and it's, <laughs> it's really not a good use of my time. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense, really. Um, have have an assistant with you have have someone that can there's always lifting and carrying um i often bring my own assistant but it, it's good if the interior designer has an assistant as well because um there's always going to be styling and, and moving stuff around um preferably don't bring too many people I've, i i remember shooting one kitchen where there was huge amounts of shelving along one side and and everyone had an opinion and everyone wanted to tweak items and it, it, it took sort of an hour just to take that one shot <laughs> because everyone had an opinion so try, try and get those things sorted in advance if possible. What other things do designers need to be aware of when getting spaces ready and making sure that the curtains are straight you know all those things that actually the, the lens the camera sees but you don't. Well I mean curtains is a good one I mean that's the sort of you know endless endless sort of tweaking needed bedding, but very often, bedding, cushions. Very often yeah, but often, as much as you might do it beforehand, those things very often aren't noticed until the camera is all set up and focusing on them. And then you suddenly see, oh, my God, that's kinked or that's there's something wrong there, you know. And so I think, you know, there's always that last minute stuff that has to be done while you're shooting. And, um, yeah, I, you know, very often the naked eye doesn't even see it. It's only when it's... Um, the, the client is looking at it on my computer screen that they suddenly think, oh, well, that doesn't look any good, you know. So it, it's, you know, there's a bit of both. Be, be prepared as you can beforehand, but those things will need to be um, adjusted on the day. And yes, it's always things that involve fabric. Um, so curtains are particularly tricky. Beds can be an absolute nightmare. Um, I remember on one particular shoot having, we were having so much trouble. I think the, Perhaps the throw didn't fit or some, something that it just wasn't working. If you if you wanted to have everything perfect, it just wasn't going to work. So eventually I just said, let's be brave. I picked up the, the, the throw or the blanket and just sort of chucked it in the air and it landed very artfully on the bed. And the client went, oh, yes, <laughs> looks rather nice. So it, it doesn't always have to be perfection. It can be about creating the sort of artistic illusion, with, you know, with, with something just sort of draped casually or um so uh, don't you know don't don't fret too much about uh, perfection all the time i i think there's an, another tip I'd, I'd dump in there too is just uh, or another thing that, that trips people up is the contents of shelves and books and things because they can look they can look really terrible they can look really 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 grim and if you are going to rearrange them take continuity shots on your phone so that you can put things back 
the way you found them. Because honestly, if you don't do that, you are in a world of pain, (laughs) especially things like children's bedrooms where, you know, little people will have their things arranged, you know, they'll have their kind of Lego models arranged in a particular order. And so you might have taken half of them out just to make the shelf, you know, read better, but you need to be able to put them back in exactly the same spot. Exactly. And uh, ladies' dressing tables and uh, bathroom sort of shelves and that sort of thing all needs to be definitely take a picture before you start moving things that's a very good tip yeah yeah my top tip for the day traveling props is definitely something to be careful um, (laughs) exactly oh that's a good okay that's a good catchphrase traveling props I'll, i'll remember that one a lot of um designers have a have a sort of prop store so they can reuse things on on different shoots and and that's fine up to a point, but again, you have to be careful of, um, you know, not using that bright red vase in every single project you ever shoot, you know. On the subject of flowers, um, I mean, my feeling is always um, keep it simple and natural. Uh, I mean, obviously different tastes, but uh, I think those very sort of tight, compiled sort of bouquets of lots of different flowers, I think, you know, just so often look so stiff and a bit weddingy in my opinion. Um, I prefer, um, sometimes I'm even asked to bring flowers, particularly if it's a, perhaps an editorial shoot where I'm just going on my own to a house to, to shoot it for a magazine. Sometimes people say, can you pick up the flowers? And, <clears throat> and I'll always choose perhaps just one type of flower. So maybe just, just tulips, um, but an armful of them. Um, and, you know, to impact with, with one color, one type of flower, you know, I think, can can sort of work really well. well I, I do think a tied bunches can also look gorgeous in the right spot it depends on the depends on the context and the grandness of the room and the size of the vase and everything everything else yeah um, I also think it's really nice if you if you've spent uh, an amount of money on flowers and you give them to the lady of the house as a thank you for allowing you to do the shoot it's always a nice a nice gesture um how actively do you think designers need to art direct their photographers Again, this is something that, that varies hugely. Um, I, I think a certain amount of direction is is uh, a must. Um, although I, you know, I again, I have been left completely to my own devices, and and you know, the results are usually okay. That people are happy with them, but I think some art direction just to make sure you get what you really want, um, rather than perhaps just following on from something you've seen elsewhere and think, oh, well, he shot that house like that. So, you know, I'll let him get on and do it that way. I think that's not necessarily giving you what what you want as a designer. So I I think some art direction, but allowing for creative um, leeway um, by the photographer, which is also important because as we said before, you know, that they'll see things objectively in a way that you hadn't thought of. It should be an iterative, an iterative process. It should be something that you, you discuss with the photographer as you're working with him. He'll say, well, I'm framing it up this way. And you're going, well, actually, I'd quite like to catch that as well. And you might turn around and say, well, we could do that as a second version of the shot. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the, the clients that I work with a lot, I mean, it is just a sort of, it is a conversation and it's, uh, um, it's all about, that relationship of, of trust between one and the other and and um yeah you know we we sort of work things out as we go and you know it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a sort of formal um way of, of directing something it can be it can be just that that knowledge that we have of each other and the way each other works as well i imagine you, you that the designer needs to be more involved the first 
couple of times they work with a photographer or perhaps even only the first time they work with a photographer. But once once you've established your rhythm and your style as a partnership, you could almost just send you in and let you get on with it. That's very true. And I think, um, I mean, some of the firms I work with, um, you know, the, the director might be there on the first shoot, but then thereafter, maybe, you know, one of the assistants, um, uh, one of her staff will be, or his staff will be there on on, on future shoots. Um, you know, it's it yeah, it is just setting those parameters to start with, which is important. And are there any? Do you have any tips for designers about ways that they can kind of teach themselves to, as we were talking about earlier, see what the lens sees? I guess once you've you've been on one shoot, it's, it's a revelation to most people being on a shoot, to be honest. And it, it comes as quite a surprise to a lot of people how shoots work um, that they, they weren't necessarily expecting maybe it takes longer than they thought or it um, you know just the just the level of you know attention to detail by the photographer as well um, I you know I always have for example you know you want as a photographer you want all the, the verticals to be straight you want everything to be lined up perfectly so I, you know I have I carry a spirit level which is you know something that I use constantly. Um, and, and clients are always incredibly surprised that I would have a spirit level as a photographer. But, um, you know, there are, there are lots of details like that, that um, I guess after being on, on several shoots, you sort of become more aware of. Um, and just, yeah, I mean, I'm always happy for the client to look through the lens before I pull the trigger. Um, you know, it's, it's just uh, a sort of, it is a learning process for them as well, so. Do you have any hero shots that you always like to take? <laughs> I I love shooting generally. I love shooting quite straight on. Um, you know, you can have a, a sort of a wide angle shot of a room that doesn't necessarily have to be taken from a corner of a room. Um, sometimes straight on and symmetry just works wonders. Um, symmetry generally and symmetry and repetition just are always appealing to the eye um so you know a, a grand space that's shot just square on often just can look amazing um little shots sort of mid shots like um sort of a, a slice of a bed and and the dressing table i mean that's a, a, a favorite that always works um it's uh i, I often say to a client you don't need to show the whole bed to know that you're in a bedroom. You know, you, you can just have, a, a, if you were just to choose one shot, sometimes it is just that slice, which contains all the important ingredients of that bedroom in terms of the, 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 the bedding, the headboard, the, the wall covering, the furniture, the lighting, it has everything all concentrated in that little bit. Whereas often, you know, bedrooms, there, there might be acres of sort of, fairly uninteresting sort of walls either side. It's, it's always concentrated around the bed. So um, those shots always tend to be winners. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I love sort of shots through doorways, shots in refle reflective shots in mirrors, that sort of thing, just to give you slightly, sometimes slightly abstract shots, which may, may work for some people and not for others, but um, they, they made sometimes magazines I think play a little bit safe and and feel that those sort of shots particularly the, the the reflective shots perhaps are perhaps a bit confusing for the viewer 
yet, and yet actually it's the way people see rooms when you walk into a room and you catch a reflection in a mirror or you or you you know you see a glimpse of the next space in, through an open doorway so for me that's that's the charm of it and it's leading the eye on totally and door, doorway shots in particular I mean they are just you know I, I I can't leave doorways alone I always have to have that shot with just something in the distance sort of think oh where's that going you know it's it just absolutely provides intrigue and interest and also creates depth you know you, you just see beyond it just makes it so much more interesting it's just an observation really a designer's finest work is often in cloakrooms and bathrooms they're really hard to photograph because they're small how do you go about effectively capturing those spaces I mean, if it's important to show the whole space, you know, there, there are wide angles and if you, you know, wide angle lenses and it, you need to obviously use a wide angle camera sort of fairly carefully. So, so as not to create sort of uh, distortions and, you know, sort of st stretching effect on particularly, which happens particularly on, on round objects and particularly where they're near the edge of the frame, they sort of tend to sort of stretch. <laughs> it comes back to um, estate agent photography where you see a, a washing machine in a kitchen and you, you think, hang on, that washing machine looks two meters wide, that's something wrong here. <laughs> but again, like, like with um, bedsides, um, I, you know, very often the, the, the interesting detail is is concentrated in, in an area, perhaps around the basin. Perhaps you've got a mirror above the basin, you've got sort of nice sort of taps, you've got um, perhaps products and, and what have you. Um, very often those little details will say as much as perhaps a picture of the whole room. And yeah, you're right, you know, some, some of these spaces are incredibly difficult to shoot. Um, you know, with the best will in the world, with a wide lens, um, whatever. It's it's sometimes it's just you know it's it's better just to home in on the detail than than try and get it all in. You know, what about the balance of portrait versus landscape versus square Instagram friendly shots? Is is there a a, a balance that you aim for? I yeah, I mean, I would try and get a, a good good mix. Um, I have come up against uh, clients occasionally who have said, and very often dictated um, by their web designers, for example, who say, oh no, it has to be landscape. And, you know, and it's just a very short-sighted sort of view to say every shot has to be landscape. And as I've, I've sort of done mock-ups for clients to show how to get over that, which is simply just to put two portraits together to create a landscape, you know, maybe with a sort of border or framing around each, but, you know, it, some, some shots just don't, work as a landscape you know that those tight little um wc's that we were just talking about you know usually they're tall and thin a lot of spaces are corridor corridors hallways in victorian houses tall and thin you know a, a wide shot isn't necessarily going to help you there because you're not going to get the beautiful ceiling and the, the, the light you're not going to get the tiling on the floor you're just going to get something in the middle um some some spaces just lend themselves to portrait um so there's always a need to be a mix and it it tends to be that you have the, you know, the, the wide shots are obviously landscape and then and then the mid shots very often might be just portrait. Do photographers prefer generally to take their images under artificial light or do they turn the lights out or do they bring in additional lights to, to, to facilitate the shoot? 
all of the above. <laughs> um, basically, I, I mean, I would, given a preference, I would shoot um, just natural daylight, um, none of the lamps and artificial lights on. Um, certainly, you probably noticed that most magazines also go for just daylight and no, no, no artificial lights on. Um, and that's often a, a, a discussion I have with designers who say, oh, but why? You know, well, I want to see, I want to show, I want to be able to show my lighting. And of course, you know, if I'm just shooting for the designer for their website, then of course we'll, we'll shoot it with the lighting if that's what they prefer. But uh, yeah, I mean, as, as I said, magazines for a variety of their own reasons prefer no lights. With regard to sort of additional um, photographer lighting, um, photography lighting, I do carry a set of lights, but use them sparingly. I mean, they are sort of in emergency only, really. How different is the way you work if uh, you're shooting people in their own homes? People normally hate being shot in their own homes or wherever, but it's really interesting. I mean, nine out of ten times when I'm asked to shoot the homeowner or, or sometimes a designer, they, they usually loathe it. And um, you know, that one in 10 will sort of be ready for her, the close up immediately and, and loving every minute of it. But um, I, I try and shoot people in a way that they do feel sort of that they belong in their space. And um, usually at some distance, so the, the camera's not right in their face as well. Um, but I think that's partly what sort of freaks people out is um, just having to respond to that camera. And if, it, if it's the other side of the room and they're just a, a, a part of the room in a doorway or in the distance, I think that perhaps makes it easier for them. So what sort of post-production editing do most photographers do? It's interesting, uh, you know, all the sort of the... Um, tools available on Photoshop and other software um, at the photographer's disposal to sort of alter images in, or enhance images or whatever. And I end up using the same two or three tools, you know, and, and don't know what some of the others do. You know, you just, you, you, you focus on what you need to do. And for me, there's initially, it was obviously the, um, color correction and auto white balance, just making sure that the, you know, the light looks the natural color light that it should look. Um, and then um, straightening things. I, I mentioned earlier about my spirit level, just uh, making sure that uh, images are sort of beautifully square and not sort of tilting up or down. You know, you don't, there's nothing worse than a sort of a room that's sort of shot Firstly, on a super wide angle, and then also it's everything slightly tilting, or you know, you you feel like you're sort of <laughs> slightly seasick. I see. Yes. Do you do you tend to edit out unsightly details, things like sockets and switches and cables and cables, unwanted cables. No one likes cables. Um, and the ceiling is usually littered with smoke alarms and all sorts of other things that don't don't help um, sell the promote the room um so yes there's always a, a lot of a lot of that sort of thing and, and that's all fairly standard um i i sometimes get asked to sort of rather more non-standard things to to change such as either uh, removing a picture or removing something larger than a socket <laughs> um or or more often actually putting in a picture maybe the, the case that the 
the owner hasn't decided what they want on the walls yet and they don't want holes made. So there's a picture that the that the interior designer would like featured. And so it, you end up having to sort of hold it in position and then take multiple shots and then get rid of the, the hands holding it afterwards. So uh, We've also had a situation where um, a client had a particularly valuable photo, uh, picture, which they, while they were happy for us to photograph the room, did not want this particular artwork to be um, advertised. And so we had to ask the photographer to actually substitute a different picture. Yes. Which he was able to do. Yeah. I mean, the, the issue with that that people often forget is um, they'll say, well, we can just drop drop in any other image afterwards, can't we? And well, that, that's fine, except that if you're shooting, if you're shooting to sort of very high resolution, you know, the image you might have of another picture that can be dropped in is, is probably something very low resolution and it, it's just going to be very pixelated and, and not work. So best idea is to, is to have that painting, if you can, have that alternative painting with you so that we can shoot it on site. It, not necessarily even in position, just as long as I can get a shot of it that's at the same resolution and same colour temperature, same lighting as the room, then I can drop it into into position. That's a really, really good tip, actually. Can the resolution of images be enhanced at all during post-production? Really only downwards. Um, I mean, I always shoot uh, raw files, um, which are huge files. They're like the, the negatives, really, um, in the digital world. And then uh, from those raw files, you can create TIFFs or JPEGs. Um, and, you know, you're, you're giving yourself the the greatest possible sort of latitude and sort of largest file sizes um, that detail. So you can always reduce that, um, save them as sort of little JPEGs to send over the internet, whatever, um, but you can't go the other way around. It, you know, it, it's all about information. If you reduce the amount of information to create a small file, you can't then enlarge it again. The funniest thing that ever happened to you on a shoot there are plenty of those, and I've already mentioned being thrown out of a, of a house when uh, permission hadn't been granted, so that wasn't exactly funny, but um, <clears throat> I think the funniest has to be the time I was shooting a luxury hotel outside London, and um, the, uh, there was a spa, huge spa in the, in the basement, and the hotel was quite near a certain large um, film studio, so they got a lot of celebrities in there, and uh, I was there shooting for about five days on the trot. And one morning we decided we were gonna go down and shoot the, the spa facilities. And the manager of the spa said, okay, come down. We'll go through the gents changing rooms to get into the spa. Cause you could only get through either the ladies or the gents changing rooms. And there were three blokes and one um, female um, colleague as well, who was with us. So we're, he said, oh, it's quiet. There's no one in, don't worry. So we're marching along the corridor into the, into the gents changing rooms and I can hear voices around the corner. And suddenly two gentlemen in towels come around the corner and I'm slightly embarrassed because we have a female colleague with us. And so I'm looking at the floor, sort of just trying to avoid eye contact. We go through into the, into the spa and then my female colleague says, that was Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> and I was busy looking at the floor, never saw him. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs>
007 as you'd probably never expect to see. <laughs> yeah, in just a towel. Just a towel. <laughs> Wonderful. So, um, so James, what one piece of advice would you have for interior designers looking to work successfully with a professional photographer? Prepare for the unexpected. It's um, shoots are ex exciting days that you know everyone I work with always loves being out of the office, being on a shoot. It's always it's always great fun. But there are so many things to remember, and and there are things that can go wrong. So yes, absolutely, always have an emergency kit to sort of cover all eventualities. Um, you know, things things may break or tear or whatever and just you, know, you, you just don't want to be in a situation where you know you're on the shoot and there's nothing you can do about it so just just be ready for anything thank you so much james for sharing your experience and your vast expertise with us today thank you that was absolutely terrific let us know what you think. And if you do have any follow-up questions, then I'm sure James would be happy to help. You can get in touch with him at jamesbolston.com. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Interior Design Business Pod. This episode of the Interior Design Business is a Wildwood production.